Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, a few years ago, I took my family up through the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. It was absolutely incredible. The views were incredible. The air was fresh. The experience was absolutely wonderful. After that trip, I started reading in the Bible, though, about people who had encounters with God on mountaintops. I got so excited thinking about those mountaintop experiences with God and the wonderful things that happened as a result. I want to tell you, God has given you the mountains. He wants you to come up close to him, to know him better, and experience all the blessing he has for you. I cannot wait for you to listen to this podcast, for your life to change, and for you to experience victory like you've never experienced it before. Uh, From last week, talking about this truth that God has given you the mountains. God has given you the mountains. Now, a couple of years back, me and my family went through the Rocky Mountains. Has anybody ever been, any of you ever traveled through Colorado at all? Some some folks, all right? Those mountains are so high, man, and and, cur- and the roads are curvy, and, and uh, it was just, it was truly an incredible experience. I'd been through the Rockies with my parents, I think, when I was about 11 years old, but going through it as an adult and being the one in the driver's seat, kind of seeing the over the cliff down there and the rivers everywhere, there's rivers and beautiful trees and everything was amazing. And um, I just it's interesting how God speaks to you. Has God ever spoken to you through a movie before? Have you ever gotten something that just kind of struck you through a movie or an experience or whatnot? Well, I was going through the Rockies. And I felt the Lord tell me something that I had no idea what it meant. I felt him say, Steve, I've given you the mountains. And it made me feel good inside, but I had no earthly idea what it meant. (laughs) And that's what the Lord does. Sometimes he tells you, gives you a message, and it takes a while for it to sink in. It takes it a while for it to mean something to you. But as I've been um, going through some of the things I've been going through this year, I've learned, man, I run to the mountains. I run to the refuge that God has given me. And so much of what we do, we took the Lord's Supper just now. That has, yes, it's physical, but it's a spiritual thing that we did in remembering the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. Well, similarly, the lessons that we learn from the Bible, they're spiritual lessons. And if you're spiritually dead, it's going to be hard to learn any spiritual lessons. And so I pray that you would start fanning your spirit into flame, that you would start coming alive spiritually, that we would start understanding what it means to be born again, born again. The Bible speaks of being born again. I'm born first physically as a baby, as we all are. But God wants you to be born again. He wants your soul, your spirit to come alive and start becoming aware of the things of God so that when we talk about the mountains, you know what we're talking about. We're running for refuge. And last last week, I'm just going to go, we we got halfway through the message, so I'm just going to summarize this very quickly. Reminding you, God has given you the mountains. What are the mountains? The mountains are a spiritual place of refuge. Sometimes you feel like running home and covering your head with a pillow or running into a closet or getting in your car and driving far, far away. Well, you need spiritual refuge. You need to find your safe place in Jesus. 
And we've all been at that place. I run for the mountains. I run for the refuge. Uh, Psalms 91 speaks of, um, I, will, I, I will find my refuge in the Lord. I will find my, my place under his wing. Um, the secret place of the most high God. Did you know you don't just have to run there when you're in trouble? You can stay there the rest of your life in the refuge of God. That's the mountains that we're speaking of where incredible things will happen while you're in the heights of God's presence. Did you know that if you don't find your refuge in God, you may never see the miracles that you're praying for? But I'm going to show you and remind you again today, if you will go to the mountains, the spiritual mountains that we're speaking of, you're going to start seeing your prayers answered because you're in the right place. If you're down, as we spoke of, uh, getting chicken feed instead of soaring with wings as eagles, you're not going to see the miracles that God wants you to see and has in store for you. It's that promised land, these mountains that we were speaking of. It's the promised land that we read about in the Old Testament. Remember how Israel came out of Egypt, crossed the desert, and they found their promised land. You have a spiritual promised land as well. And it's those mountains. It's that place of refuge that we're talking about, a place where no longer are you demanding God, God, how are you going to do it? God, when are you going to do it? God, what are you going to do? You leave all, all of that and you just trust God that he's going to do what he needs to do, how he's going to do it, and when he's going to do it. And you just chillax from then on. You're just, you're fine. You don't have to figure things out. And it's where your supernatural spiritual deliverance takes place and where provision takes place in ways that you could have only dreamed of. We read in Habakkuk 3.19 where it says the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like deers, the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He's going to help you get up to that place. You don't have to find it by yourself. You don't have to scale a cliff by yourself. He's going to help you get up there. And as we read in Psalms, he's going to help you stay there as well. It's exemplified by Moses who went up the mountain. He had the 70 elders with him. He had Joshua with him. The 70 elders got up partway of the mountain. They had a wonderful experience with the Lord, but they only went so high. Moses continued on with Joshua. And at some point, Joshua stopped, and finally Moses went all the way to the top. And you know why Moses went all the way to the top? Well, if you would have been here on Wednesday, you would have found out from several folks. My mom said something interesting. She said, he went all the way to the top because God called him all the way to the top. And you say, well, is God calling me all the way to the top? Yes, he is. He is saying, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. He's calling you all the way to the top with him. So don't be like some folks that stay at the bottom or only get, get up part way. Go all the way with God. With his help, you can do it. He wants you to do it, and I bet you want to do it as well. Well, there are several different examples as well, but I'll share several scriptures. Psalms 36, 6, it says, Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. There it starts giving us a spiritual description of what these mountains are like. Psalms 121, verses 1, 1 through 2, it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Stop looking down at your problems and start looking up to God who's the solution to all your problems. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So stop looking down. When, when uh, Abraham said to his nephew Lot, look, you go left, I'll go right. 
You go west, I'll go east. All right? Lot picked the well-watered valley of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Little did he know, right? He, he went down to the richest area. And you know what God told Abraham after Lot had picked the better place, which what turned out not to be better, he said, first of all, he said to Abraham, look around you, look to the northeast. He said, I've given you the whole land, including that valley down there. But then he also said, look up, Abraham. Look at the stars of the sky. If you can count them, that's what your inheritance is going to be. I tell you this morning, look up to God where your help comes from. Look up to God where your blessings come from. Look up to God where your strength comes from. The more you look down, it's just like an airplane. If you tilt an airplane down, it's going to go down. If you tilt the attitude of an airplane up with a proper thrust, it's going to go up. So wherever your nose is pointed, that's where you're headed. <laughs> wherever your eyes are pointed, that's where you're headed. And so point your face up to the Lord, and he's going to lift you up. Praise God. Uh, Isaiah 25, verses 10, 6 through 10. Blessings, man. I wish I, if I'm not careful, I'm just going to repeat everything that I said on Sunday. That'd be a problem. We don't want to do that. Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 10, though, it says, On this mountain that we're talking about, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. If you feel thirsty and dry, you feel empty inside, you feel purposeless, hopeless inside, go up to your mountain. <laughs> And God's going to fill you and satisfy you and, and, and fulfill you. Let me tell you what. He says he'll do it for all peoples. He's no respecter of persons. Thank goodness he doesn't just exclude bald people, right? He includes us, all right? He didn't include just smart people. He includes people that may not be so smart. If you're not talented, God said all people, come up to the mountain and I am going to give you the most blessings than you could ever imagine. All right, I'm going to take refuge in him and he's going to prepare a banquet for me. In verse 7 there in Isaiah 25, it says, On this mountain I will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people and the sheet that covers all nations. And we talked about you those days when you feel like you're under a cloud and you can't get out and you're hopeless and you're depressed and you can't get there. God says, get up on the mountain and I'm going to pull that sheet back. I'm going to take off the shroud there was Lazarus. He had been called out of the grave, but he still had a shroud. And, and Jesus said, take the grave clothes off of him. Man, and Lazarus lived again. You can live again. You don't have to be covered. But get up on that mountain. Go seek the Lord with all your heart. In verse 8, he says, I will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tears from their face. So many good things. I won't repeat them. Um. Let's uh, let's look on. Oh, it says in verse 10, it says the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. I'll tell you what I've experienced with God's hand is on my life and I've experienced when God's hand isn't on my life. And I would far rather God's presence be in and around me than me be out there on my own doing my own thing and being at the at the risk of of everything that comes when you don't have God. And this is something we mentioned also. How do you scale this mountain? How do you get up this mountain? There's three things that I can think of is, first of all, you leave the desires of this world behind you. It's just super hard, super, especially the younger you are, the harder this is. 
because you have goals, you have aspirations, you have dreams, you have things, mountains to conquer. But let me tell you what, no mountain's better than the mountain of God. Leave your desires behind and start seeking God's desires for your life. Come to God with an empty agenda every morning and say, God, write down what I'm supposed to do today. I'm not going to give you my thoughts. You do it. All right, leave your desires behind. And you know what? This No human being can actually do this. You have to have had some desires that didn't come through for you. And you start realizing, my desires are empty and a waste of time anyways. You know, I've pursued things. I've gone after things, and they didn't satisfy me. They didn't fulfill me. And when you've done that a couple of times, it starts being easier to leave your desires behind because you see, it's emptiness anyways. That's what Ecclesiastes is all about is, is chase your desires and see you end up an empty person. But here's another way of scaling that mountain is stop wanting people to admire you and start wanting God to admire you. That's, that's a deep one. That's a profound one. That's a blessed one, man. Stop trying to get people's praises and start trying to get God's praises. Your life is going to turn around big time. Big time. But here's the third one is stop trying to create a secure place for yourself here on earth and start trying to create for yourself a secure place in heaven. Spend your time and your effort saying, I'm going to get, I'm going to, God's preparing for me a place. You know what? I'm aiming for that place. I'm not aiming for anything here on earth. This earth is very, very shaky. The things that you think, uh, you know, I mentioned it last week, the things that you think are so stable on this earth, Guess what? They're not. They can be up in a, you know, in a second. They can be gone. Genesis 22, verse 14. It, I love this one. Talking about this mountain. It says, in the mount of God, it shall be seen. Your prayers, your prayers are going to start being answered when you start talking to God on a different level. Stop talking to God while you're rolling around in the mud. Actually, don't ever stop talking to God. But Get up out of the mud, get up out of your desires, get up out of your plans, out of that mud, start walking up that mountain. You're going to start talking to God in a totally different way. You're going to stop pleading with God. You're going to stop demanding from God. And you're going to start realizing God just wants, he wants to do this. He wants to heal this relative of mine. He wants to save that child. He wants to help me in my job. He wants to help me in my problems. Get up out of the mud and go closer to God. And things start turning around for you. So what I'd like to share with you today is what else happens when you decide to scale that mountain of God's grace, his mercy, his love, his plan, his blessings. So let's look at some of these things. He makes, and I think this is exactly where we ended last, last week, but um, Psalms 18.33 which Habakkuk seems to have quoted. Habakkuk was a minor prophet. He's a guy that lived after the Psalms were, were written. Uh, but in the psalmist in Psalms 18.33 says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. Remember, we already read that in Habakkuk. He causes me to stand on the heights. What's going to happen when you start getting closer to God? You're going to stay close to God. You don't have to fall off the mountain. I told you last last Sunday, you know, it seems like between one o'clock in the morning and, and five in the morning, there's a mudslide. You know, I ended up on the mountain at the very top of the mountain for the day. 
And then the morning comes and I find I have slid, slid halfway down the mountain. That actually doesn't have to happen. You can stay. It says here, he will cause you to stay in the heights. You can stay up there with his help. I love that. That's something that's, that's going to happen when you decide to scale that mountain with God and get close to him. But here, let's look in Deuteronomy 33, verses 26 through 29. I'm just going to read through it. This along with uh, another set of scriptures in Isaiah 33, just for today. This is good stuff. You know, um, Don told me something. I don't want to put Don on the spot. He said, you know what, Steve? Dallas starts playing at 11 o'clock. Can we kind of get this shortened up a little bit this morning? <laughs> So I'm going to honor that, Don, all right? <laughs> they're already playing, but you know what? They're, they're God's team. Does everybody realize the Cowboys are God's team? No, they're not God's team. They're, they're America's team is what I hear. But anyways, Deuteronomy 33, verses 26 through 29, it says, There is no God like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you on the clouds of his majesty. Well, if if you like watching cartoons or reading comic books, I can't imagine many of us would, but I picture that, you know, that, that super power on a cloud coming across to do something powerful. The only difference is it's not a comic. It's not a cartoon. It's the real deal. You get up on that mountain and God's going to start coming through you for you in powerful ways that you've never experienced before. Never experienced before. We were praying for my father-in-law this weekend, or this week. The doctor was starting to indicate that maybe he had leukemia. Let me tell me and Tina and I were staying on the mountain this week. We were believing God. We were trusting God. And you know what? The, 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 uh, his time on Friday with the doctor, it turned out that it doesn't seem to be the case. His white blood cell count is coming back up. Praise God. And you know what? We're praying for, for Miles. He's, he, he has been uh, diagnosed with leukemia. He used to come to this church. His mother's online right now. Sherry, we're praying for Miles. And we're believing for Miles, not in desperation, not in the mud, but up on the mountaintop where we can talk directly to God, directly to God. There's no impedance. There's no, there's no obstacle between our prayers. We're talking directly to God Almighty, and he's going to come through on these as he rides on the clouds, praise God, in majesty. It, re- it reads there in Deuteronomy 20, excuse me, 33, 27, the eternal God is your refuge. Run up to the mountain to your refuge with God every morning. If you're stressed out, if you have a problem, an impossibility, run to God and find your refuge in him. He's going to rescue you because he always goes for the underdog. He always goes for the person that can't defend themselves. He's the, it says he's a husband to the widow and he's a father to the fatherless, to the orphan. Praise God. God is incredible. It says, and underneath the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them. <laughs> God is awesome. He, he cares for you. He understands your helpless situation, who your enemies are. So Israel will live in safety. Jacob will dwell secure. Let me tell you what. When you find your stronghold in the Lord, you are safe. It says he's going to place you up on an unreachable place. There's a verse in the Bible, a place of security 
where you can't even be reached or accessed by your enemies? How would you like to go to bed every night knowing you are completely safe in the Lord? In the land of grain and new wine. So there's provision where heaven drops dew. Blessed are you. It says, blessed are you, Israel. But blessed are you and put your name in there. You are blessed. You are blessed. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? Let me ask you, have you been saved by the Lord? Anytime? All right, and I'm not just talking about a spiritual salvation. Has he saved you when you had financial problems? Has he saved you when you had problems of any sort, health problems? God saves over and over and over again. And so you can say, "I'm I'm a person who's been saved by the Lord. And if you've been saved, you are safe. Man, that was such a revelation to me several years ago. He is your shield and helper. Now, God isn't below you as in a servant helping you. No, he's this strong, powerful being who's on your side, and he wants to help you sovereignly and supernaturally. He's your helper. Praise God. He's your superpower. Praise God. He wants to help you in all your troubles. Your enemies will cower before you and you will tread on their heights. Praise God. Not only on your heights, but your enemies, they're not bigger than you. They're smaller than you because God is with you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Think of whoever you're in. It may not be a person, but a situation that's an enemy to you. God is bigger than your enemy. God is bigger than your problem. Praise God. Now let's switch over to Isaiah 33, verses 15 through 19. I wonder if I'm missing something here. I don't guess I am. Let's let's read this. It says, again, here's a question. The question is, what happens when you decide to scale the mountain of God's grace? Remembering, how do you do that? Leave your desires behind and chase God's desires. Leave people's admiration behind, chase God's admiration. Leave your security behind and seek God's security. That's that's a tall order for a human being. We don't want to do that. But that's what trusting God looks like, is letting go and taking hold of God. All right, so Isaiah, what what happens when you make these decisions? Isaiah 33, verses 15 through 19. Those who walk righteously... And speak what's right, who reject gain from extortion, who keep their hands from accepting bribes, who stop the, here's where I want to get to, stop their ears against plots of murder. All right, when you start climbing that mountain, you're going you're gonna to put your spiritual fingers in your ears and you're going to stop listening to the threats that the enemy has given you. Some of you have been hearing lies. I've been hearing lies over your, you know, decreeing disaster for you. But when you scale that mountain, it means you plug your ears and you stop listening to what the enemy is trying to tell you. You say, no, I I don't accept that anymore. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm going to start listening to what my father is telling me, not what the enemy and the liar, the father of all lies is telling me. So you stop your ears, you shut your eyes against contemplating evil. I love that. That's the best thing in the world is when you're watching, uh, I, I was in the airport, this poor young man, he's probably, I don't know, I'm guessing 19, 21. And I was in the, in the airport, and I was waiting to get onto the area that goes down to the plane. 
And we're all crammed together, even in the middle of COVID. It's funny. People behind me, all around me. Here's this young man that's 20 or 21. He's on Instagram, and he's flipping pornography, just picture after picture after picture after picture. And I was just praying over that guy. I was like, from here to this altar. And obviously, I didn't keep looking. <laughs> I just noticed that he was flipping. So I turned, first of all, I turned my eyes away from it. I stopped looking at it. And I started praying for that young man. Help him to shut his eyes. To, to turn off social media if he needs to. To turn off the TV if he needs to. Get rid of it. Shut your eyes to evil. The Bible, there's a verse that says, I will place no vile thing before my eyes. Do it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to the word of the Lord. Amen. So here it says, if, as I start climbing that mountain, I'm going to shut my eyes to evil. I'm not going to look at that stuff anymore. It says, they're the ones who dwell on the heights. They're the ones that are up on the mountain. They plug their ears, they close their eyes, and they just listen to the Lord, and they just watch for the righteousness, the virtue that God wants to give them. I I heard a tragic story, man, of this, this elderly man. He was in his 70s. He was on his deathbed, and some, some young guy asked him, you, what would you have done differently? I don't know why I asked the question, but he, what, what, what do you wish you would have done differently in your, in your life? He says, I was never able to kick the habit of pornography in my life. 70 years old. Man, I tell you what, if, there's many habits that God has helped me kick, and that's one of them. That's one of them. I praise God for that. Uh, you know, I think sometimes in church, you've got to be transparent. You've got to talk about the actual details of life. If you don't, it's all vague and ambiguous, but I praise God for the things God has helped me kick in my life that I'm free from. But you know what? I still have other problems, and you do too. <laughs> you do too. Man, let God continuously free you one thing at a time. One, some of us have workaholic tendencies. We've got to stop being such workaholics. Others of us are lazy. We need to work harder. <laughs> There's a balance between the two, right? And God wants you to strike that balance and be everything that God wants you to be. Let's not get to the end of our lives and look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done this. Or I would. The, the sin of regret is the worst sin in the world. <laughs> I don't want to get to the end. I already have regret, and we all do. But I, wanna, I have time to make things better, right? And do what I need to do now. Praise God. I, <laughs> I don't know where all these thoughts are coming from, and I'll never forget. Also, at a lunch break, I was with some coworkers. We were all in our, this was about 10 years ago, um, we were all in our early 40s. And uh, we were driving away from eating at lunch, and part of them were Christians and part of them weren't. And uh, I asked them, I said, hey, have you guys ever thought, I was in the back seat, I said, have you ever guys ever thought, hey, our lives are halfway done? <laughs> we're halfway through. And all four of those guys said none of them had ever even stopped to think about it. I think you got to think about stuff like that. Where are you at in life and what corrections do you need to make so that you don't live with regrets when it comes time to move on to the next part of life, which is eternal life, hopefully in heaven. Praise God. All right, so it says those are the ones, the people who stop their ears, shut their eyes to evil, contemplating evil, they're the ones that dwell on the heights. 
Let's go up to God. Let's get closer to God. Don't let someone else hold you back and say, well, they're not, they're not giving it 100%. No, that doesn't matter what they're doing. I'm going to give 100% and get closer and closer and closer to God. Their bread, listen to this. The people that are up on the heights, they find the refuge that they're looking for. It says their bread will be supplied. Wow. Their bread will be supplied. Their basic needs will be supplied. Water will not fail them. Your eyes will see the king and his beauty. All right. And, and what I get from this is some people look at the world and all they see is bad. Terrible, horrible, tragedy. The world is going to collapse and it, eventually it will. But, you know, the world is going to collapse. But you know what? When you live with God, you see Jesus everywhere. Jesus is working in this person. Jesus is working over there. Jesus is, is in Afghanistan, you know, where people are being persecuted. Jesus is everywhere. And some people that are not Christians, they talk, you know, about the, half, the glass being halfway empty and halfway full. Well, if we're going to talk about something, the glass is halfway full. And let's stop being so negative. They, we see the king. We see God's hand at work everywhere. And the glass is more than half full, thank goodness. But we, with the eyes, they see the king in all his beauty. They view a land that stretches afar. The Bible talks over and over again, your inheritance is rich. And we're not talking about your 401k plan or your social security or what you've set aside. I'm telling you, God is setting aside a rich inheritance for you right here, right now, thankfully for eternity. But you know what else? God releases that inheritance throughout your lifetime. He provides you with things that you didn't even know he was storing up for you. <laughs> You've got a rich inheritance in the Lord, but you can't really appreciate it or know it unless you're walking hand in hand with God. The Bible talks about his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. Well, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Get up and start walking in his ways. Get your thoughts out of the muck and the mire and start walking and thinking his thoughts. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. You can start thinking God's thoughts, having his thoughts flow through your mind. So you will view the land. Uh, it's so neat. Moses got up. It's kind of sad, but Moses, right before he passed on, was taken up Mount Nebo. It's in modern-day Jordan. It's on the other side of the Jordan. In fact, this is really neat. Um, if you're in the northeast side of El Paso and you look across towards, I don't know what they're called, but the, the mountains on the east side um, where uh, Montana goes and goes towards Dell City, over there there's a range of mountains, not terribly tall, but one of them kind of is a little bit higher. I don't know if you've ever stopped to look at that. That mountain is about the distance from Mount Nebo to Jericho. So when Moses got up that mountain and God says, here's the promised land that you're not going to go into, but all the Israelites are going to go into under Joshua, he literally, he could see the Jordan River right there. And he could see the Dead Sea right there. And he could, with his naked eye, he could see Jericho. All right? God wants to take you up and you can see it right there. You can see your inheritance. You can see the blessings that God is giving you or is going to give you. They're, they're close to you. They're not far away. They're not a long distance. It says, in your thoughts, you will ponder the former terror. 
All the enemies, all the impossibilities, all the things that were clawing at you. And you're going to say, where's that chief officer? In other words, that, that, that terrorist that was, that was making your life miserable, that ruthless slave master. You're going to ask yourself, where was the one who took my revenue? In other words, where's that one that was stealing my joy, stealing my peace, stealing my money, stealing my health, stealing my marriage? Where is he? He's gone because you're scale the heights. And you're walking with God like you've never walked before. And you said, I'm going to release my stinking earthly security and all the things that I admire and trust in. I'm going to throw them out and I'm going to chase Jesus. You're going to be like those disciples that left their nets, left their boats, and left their family to follow Jesus because they found there was something better in Jesus than all those things they'd been holding on to. Man, I'll tell you what, where is the one who took all my energy, my money, my peace, my happiness, my emotional health? Let me tell you, you start walking on the heights, you're going to get all of that back and then some. Where's the officer in charge of the towers? And when I think of towers, I think of those impossibilities. You, you, it's hard for me to articulate this, but whenever you're, you're on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and you're, all you can see is impossibilities, all you can see is obstacles. Let me tell you what, that's, that's spiritual warfare. The enemy is trying to just push you down, and you need, to, you need to seek refuge in the Lord. You're going to be swept right up above all those difficulties in a spiritual sense and get that godly perspective, that heavenly perspective that, you know what, I'm over all of this stuff. I'm not under this stuff. I'm, I'm above it. God's wonderful hand has just picked me up and carried me up into new heights. Man, praise God. That's been happening. The reason why I'm talking about this, this has been happening to me. I, I, I get down in the muck and the mire on one day, and then the next day, God just picks me back up again. And I'm learning not to be up and down, up and down. I'm realizing I can stay up in the Lord. In verse 19, it says, You will see those arrogant people no more. <laughs> praise the Lord. It reminds me of of uh, Moses, who he was, you know, he had the Egyptians pursuing him. He had about 2 million Jewish, you know, Hebrews with him. They just exited Egypt. And now Pharaoh was saying, I'm going to go take them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to bring them back again. And here's the Red Sea in front of him. And, and, and God promises, says, Moses, those people that are pursuing you, you're never going to see them again. You're never going to see them again. Whoever's pursuing you or whatever's pursuing you, if you will, if you will go higher with God, you're never going to see that stuff again. You're going to be set free. And whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Well, let's, you know, just for Don's sake, let's hurry up here. Uh, Ezekiel 17, 23 says, On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it, and it will produce branches and bear fruit. If you've ever wondered, God, I want to be fruitful for you. I want to be productive for you. Get up on the heights with God. And it says here, he's going to plant you there and you're going to be fruitful for him. It says in Psalms 31 verse 19, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all for those who take refuge in you. 
Wow. Psalms 31, 19. If you write down any scripture, man, write that one down. How abundant are the good things that you've stored up for those who fear you, for those who take refuge in you. Psalm 72, verse 3, it says, May the mountains bring prosperity to the people and the hills the fruit of righteousness. Psalms 125, verses 1 through 2, it says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the, the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. And I love the Bible. It's always, every time, forevermore. Never will I forsake you. Never. It's, it's these expletive, big old words. Always, never. <laughs> you know, just incredible. And here it says, both now and forevermore. Incredible scriptures. And so this is my challenge to you guys and to me <laughs> is find what's chaining you down in the valley. Find out what it is, that self-focus that keeps you, your, you from scaling up into closeness with God and fast for it, fast from it for a month. Decide whatever it is. And it's different. You know, what it is for Sarah is different from what it is for Lisa and is different, Curtis and everybody's different. We all have something that's chaining us down in the valley. And say, so, you know what, God? And I'm doing this. I, I started this month already. <laughs> I wouldn't be telling you to do something I'm not doing myself. And I'll even tell you what mine is. Mine is, I always want to know from God how he's going to do something. If he promises something, well, God, how are you going to do it? Show it to me, you know? And God's saying, no, I'm not going to show it to you. <laughs> I'm just going to do it, and I want you to trust me, all right? And so for the month of November, I'm fasting from trying to figure out how I'm going to get to the next step. I'm going to let God figure out how, all right? So that's my that's what I'm fasting for. from, And it's been tempting. I've tripped up several times already. It's already November, what, 6th or 7th? 7th is my daughter's birthday, I should know. And I've already tripped up, but you know what? <laughs> I keep... I go back to the fasting and say, no, no, God, I committed to you that for a month I'm not going to try to figure out how. I'm not going to do it. All right? So what is your what keeps you down in the valley? And make a commitment to the Lord that you're going to fast from that attitude or that habit for a month. Here's some examples. All right? Maybe you have problems with unforgiving thoughts. And that bitterness of hurt comes back to you. And will you just say, God, I'm going to fast from unforgiveness and bitterness for a month. I'm just going to put it to the side. I'm not going to bring it up, and I'm going to let you, God, be God. Or maybe you're an overly busy person, and you're going to say, you know what? For a month, I'm going to not be so busy. That's a serious problem with some folks. Serious problem. I've, I struggle with that one. Or distracting entertainment, whether social, social media, TV, music, whatever it is. If you see that that's binding you, give it up for a month. Say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to allow myself to go closer with God. Or maybe you are a complete and utter control freak. And you're always trying to control everyone and everything around you. And you say, you know what? For a month, I'm going to stop trying to control my environment and the poor people who are subject to me. <laughs> and I'm not going to control them anymore. And I'm going to let God be God. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe you are such a worrywart and you're worrying about everything. Say, so you know what? 
For a month, I am not going to worry. I'm not going to allow myself to worry. That's a really tough one, by the way. All right, or maybe you have constant negative thoughts about yourself. You're always thinking about what a lame person you are and how you did this and didn't do that. You're going to fast for a month, and you say, I'm not going to be negative for a month. I'm going to fast from it. Or maybe you have obsessive, compulsive thoughts, or maybe you're in a toxic relationship, and you need to give up that relationship for a month and say, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not, I'm, I'm not going to have this relationship for a month. Or maybe... You have the terrible habit of slandering and gossiping and tearing people down and ripping them up behind their backs. Maybe that's something. I've just given you, shoot, there's thousands of things out there. I just gave you a handful of things that I could think of. Fast from it for a month. Scale the mountain and get closer to God. You know what it is. The Holy Spirit right now, by the way, he's active and he's out there and you know your thing. <laughs> you already know it. And you need to be brutally honest with yourself. You say, Steve, you're right. You know, God, actually, you're right. I do have a problem with that. And I'm not going to be chained down in the valley anymore. I'm going to go higher with God for just one month. Sometimes you have to trick yourself mentally this way and say, you know what, just for a month. And you know down deep inside it's a lifetime, but a lifetime's too hard. So you just say a month, a week, a day, an hour, a minute. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, God. This has been helping me so much. <laughs> Lord, no longer the praises of people. No longer the security here on earth. No longer, Lord God, any of these things. I'm going to trust you, God, and let go of those things that I've been holding on. And I'm going to reach up that spiritual hand, and I'm going to take hold of your hand. And I pray that you bring me up into the refuge of this high, this high spiritual place, Lord God, that place where I'm close to you, where I'm far away from everything else, all the distractions, all the lying voices. Lord, I'm going to plug my ears to those things. I'm not going to listen to those anymore. I'm going to cover my eyes to that evil which drags me down and pulls me down. I'm going to cover my eyes. I don't want any more of that anymore, Jesus. Lord, it's those people that get into the heights with God. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every one of us that, first of all, we'd identify that, that thing that changes us down, that keeps us from moving higher with you, Lord. And then we'd make that commitment to fast from it for a month and say, I am not going to engage in this attitude or this behavior for a month. Lord, it's going to be hard. This is going to be a challenge. We're going to slip and fall into these things multiple times during a month, but we're going to actively get out of it over and over again until at the end of the month we start tasting and seeing that God is good and we start seeing what it is to breathe in the fresh air of heaven Lord and, and get out of the pollution of the valley and Lord we're going to like it so much that we're going to decide you know what I'm going to camp out here another month <laughs> and then after that month we're going to say I don't I hated it down there I, I never want to go back again Lord and we're going to start living up there and staying up there and, and being close to you, God.